what would it look like if you created an entire organization that was designed to create extraordinary performance in every single person? What could you achieve? It would be, it would just be incredible. It would be amazing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Practical Learning Professional from Better Everyday Studios. My name is Matt Jertsen, founder and chief learning officer of Better Everyday Studios, and I am really excited to have you here today because we are going to talk about just one of my favorite books of all time. This is really the book that sent me on the path of how I think about learning and development, uh, you know, what we're trying to do here. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Um, before, before I get to the book, a little bit of background to explain how, how I found it. Um, if you don't know my background, I started off as an instructor pilot in the Air Force, and I pretty much left the Air Force because I wanted to work at SpaceX. I'm a huge space nut. Uh, back in 2014, SpaceX was really, you know, it had been going for quite a while, but they were really getting started with a lot of successes, and I really, really wanted to work there. I had no idea how I was going to do it, but long story short, I got connected with someone who was looking for help with training. I never imagined the instructor part of my background was going to be the thing I took out into the corporate world, but hey, that was my foot in the door, and sure enough, a year later, I was moving to LA as head of training and development for the whole company, which was really, really intimidating, and I had no idea what I was doing, um, and you know, like any good learning professional, all of us in learning who, what, what do we do when we don't know what we're doing? Well, we, we try to learn. So I started going out and looking at different books, trying to, to figure out um, kind of what this role was all about. Uh, I didn't know enough about learning and development to really find, you know, proper learning and development books. So I was kind of thinking a step back from that and thinking, well, what is the point of learning and development? It's to drive human performance. Uh, and so that's what led me to the book Peak by Anders Ericsson. I actually have it right, right up here. Uh, I take the covers off of my book, so there, there's not a whole lot to see. Um, but this is actually a, a more important book than I think most people realize, at least in my opinion. You know, one of the best known rules of learning and development is the 10,000 hour rule. Um, you know, you may have read Outliers or The Talent Code or, or books like that. Um, but if you read those books, you read anything about the 10,000 hour rule, most of the original research about that rule was actually Anders Ericsson's work. Um, those books all came out before Peak, um, but this is kind of his summary of, of what he did. And, and I think it's a really important book because it's really practical in terms of what we are trying to do as learning and development, which is drive performance, and how do we create extraordinary performance? That, that's the central question of the book. What creates extraordinary performance? Um, now, you might be interested in, you know, well, how do you define extraordinary performance? Um, the way I think about extraordinary performance is the kind of thing that to the average person seems impossible, right? So one of the, the stories in the book is about a person who memorized the number pi out to 70,000 digits. That, that's an extraordinary performance. Um, another example that comes to mind from the sports world is they have a road show that kind of goes around sometimes where they take a treadmill 
and set it to, to, to go at the speed at which the world's top marathoners run, you know, just, just over a two-hour marathon. And they have people try to, try to run on it to see if they can run that fast. And if you just take the average person off the street, they cannot run for 100 yards the speed at which the top marathoners are running for 26.2 miles. That's how fast they run, and that's extraordinary performance. And so, you know, the reason why I love this book is because it kind of begs that question of what would it look like if you created an entire organization that was designed to create extraordinary performance in every single person? What could you achieve? It would be it would just be incredible. It would be amazing. Now, sure, not everybody's going to be able to be a top marathon runner. You know, the, the true best in the world performances are this really amazing combination of mindset, genetics, upbringing, you know, the people around you, timing. Um, th there's lots of stuff that goes into that. So you're not always going to be able to achieve, you know, like a literal world record performance. But that doesn't mean that most people can't perform orders of magnitude more than they are. You know, the, the original research that sent Anders Ericsson on this path was around the research of short-term memory. And one of the ways that they measure short-term memory is by reading people one digit per second and then seeing how many digits they can remember. So for example, if I was, you know, to say read you six digits in this format, I would say one, five, seven, three, two, six. And then you, you would have to repeat that back to me and we'd see how many digits you could remember. Because then after I do it and you, and you repeat it, then I'd try for seven and then we'd try for eight. And so there was um, a research assistant that he just kind of pulled off the street at, at the university that, that he worked at. And when they first tested this individual, they could repeat back seven digits. And after two years of practice, and this wasn't just like all day, you know, I think it was like, you know, an hour a day of practice. After two years, they increased this person's short-term memory from being able to repeat seven digits to being able to repeat 82 digits. That's, you know, so that means the researcher was just speaking for almost a minute and a half, one digit a second, and then this person was able to repeat all of those numbers back to them. That's nearly a 1,200% increase in performance. Now, if, if you could take some skill of yours and improve it 1,200%, would that be worth an hour a day for two years? Ab absolutely. That's like an incredible increase in performance. Uh, you know, so, so, how, so how do you do that? What, how, do we, how do we generate these peak performances? Well, well, the key takeaway from the book is around Anders Ericsson's model of practice, and he breaks practice down into three basic levels. There's the first level, which is naive practice, and that's what most people do, where it's unstructured without any defined goal. So, you know, take the example of playing tennis. You want to get better at tennis? What do most people do? They just go out and play tennis. You know, they maybe play, you know, a couple times a weekend. They just go out with some friends and hit the ball around. And they're, they kind of wonder why they don't really get much better. Um, well, it's because they're doing this naive practice. Um, the next level up from naive practice would be purposeful practice. Now, purposeful practice, uh, the way you define that is that it must have well, the practice must have well-defined and specific goals. 
you must be getting continuous feedback on your performance, and you should always be trying to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. So let's take the example of playing tennis again, rather than just going out with some friends and kind of hitting the ball for a while, you're going to go to the court to practice serving, and you're going to define what makes a good serve, specifically practice that. You're obviously getting feedback every time you serve because you know whether or not it's in or out and how well you did. Um, and then maybe you're playing against someone who you choose to play with specifically because they are a little bit better than you, right? So you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. That, that's kind of what purposeful practice would be. Now, the highest level of practice is what Anders Ericsson calls deliberate practice. And this takes everything from purposeful practice, right? It's, it's well-defined with specific goals, gives continuous feedback, pushes you outside your comfort zone, but then it adds clearly defined performance markers, right? A clear roadmap from current performance to great performance. And then it adds in having a coach as well. So there's somebody there to help guide you along on that roadmap. That's purposeful practice. Um, so this is obviously a well-documented thing in the world of sports. Uh, lots of people follow this, but it's a little bit murkier when you try to go into the corporate world. In fact, there, there's some research out there that really calls into question this idea of deliberate practice, of, of how effective it is in the workplace. And Anders Ericsson himself in the book actually says this type of practice might not be super applicable to the corporate world. Reason being is because it's not always possible to have those clearly defined performance markers of what makes a great manager or what makes someone great at communicating or giving feedback. Um, now, I personally think we actually could do a lot better at defining those. One of the things I say sometimes is that I think the difference between hard skills and soft skills are that soft skills are the things we haven't thought about long enough to make hard, you know, like it took us a long time to be able to create these clear performance markers of what makes great performance in sports. Um, maybe we just need to do a little bit more work in the, in the working world. You know, sure, there's going to be a whole lot more nuance. You know, when it comes to giving feedback, it's not just how I perform. It's who is the person sitting across from me? What's the situation that we're in? What's their background? There's going to be a lot more nuance to it. But I think we could get a lot more a lot more rigorous about how we define performance in, in most cases, and that could then lend itself more to deliberate practice. But even if we just forget about the idea of deliberate practice and focus on purposeful practice, that could still take us a really long way in terms of improving performance in the workplace. I mean, I mean, just think about it. You know, let's say you have the goal of you know getting better at giving presentations at work. And um, you, you know, typically what we might say is we'd say that to our manager. We'd say, my goal this year during my annual performance review is to get better at, at my delivery, at presentation delivery. And maybe you'd, you'd stop there. Uh, you, you know, so you don't really define any structure, any clear goals. You just kind of say like, hey, I just, I just want to get better at, at delivering presentations. That's kind of what most people would do, right? Maybe you get feedback on it. Maybe you don't. Probably you both forget about it. But even just purposeful practice would, would develop something like, um, I want to get better at presentation delivery. And what I mean by that is I want to create an environment that's really welcoming, uh, where 
there's a, I'll use a little bit of humor to make people want to engage in the conversation and really create situations where rather than just presenting information that bores people, I'm creating uh, you know, two-way communication within the room so we can really have engaging conversations. And so you say that that's what you're trying to do. And then in order to help you along the way, so you have the structured goal and in order to give you this feedback, what you're going to do is you're going to um, create a feedback form uh, that you're going to hand out when you do deliver presentations. You'll pick three or four people. Uh, maybe they're people you know, people you really don't. And just say, hey, I'm trying to get better at this. I'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute after I give this presentation and, and fill out this form. And then to kind of push yourself outside your comfort zone, you're going to volunteer for a few more opportunities to practice your, your presentation. I mean, something like that is the level of practice that is almost unheard of in the corporate world. Like most people do nothing like that. It's pretty simple, pretty easy, and would clearly dramatically improve your ability to get better. And then in order, to, you know, let's say you wanted to, to step up to deliberate practice, it wouldn't take much more than just having a speaking coach that's, that's there in the room with you and, and watching you along the way. Um, so I think there's a lot more that we could do, and that's why I, I love this book so much. I think it offers some really practical examples. There's a whole chapter in here just about perfect, purposeful practice in, in the working world. Um, so I think it's it's an amazing book, and I think everybody should should check it out. Uh, it's certainly one of, in my mind, one of the top non-learning and development learning and development books that are out there. So, so thanks a lot for for joining in. Hopefully, hopefully you learned a little bit. Hopefully you pick up this book. Um, I'll give a link to it in the description below. So please make sure to check that out. Um, and thanks again for being here. I'll, I hope to see you again on the next episode of the Practical Learning Professional. Thanks.